Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. The title of today's message is Live to Tell, Do It Well. How can we help others have a relationship with God, and how can we do it well? As always, Jesus is our model. He left many examples which are recorded for us. One of them is his conversation with a woman who had been married five times, and now she's living with a guy. Knowing her background, she's not an innocent young lady that can be impressed with words. This woman is a veteran, and in her conversation with Jesus, she responds with substance. In other words, she's straight up. We'll see this in a moment. This conversation happened outside the village where people went to get water. People normally filled their water containers in the morning or in the evening when it was cool. But perhaps because of her background and her storied history in the village, she goes in the middle of the day when she thinks nobody will be there. And normally we wouldn't expect anyone to be at the well in the middle of the day, but on this particular day, Jesus set up a divine appointment. And he's sitting there waiting for her to show up. And she has no idea who he is. She has no idea what's about to happen. And so she's just being her tough old self. And so just imagine a person like that. Just imagine that in your mind as we pick up the conversation in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? Now I want you to imagine this encounter for a moment. As far as she's concerned, he's a stranger, just some guy who's at the well that day, and he politely asks her for a drink. Now let me give you a modern day example of what happened here. What would you think if you asked someone for a cup of water and that person said, you're a male Catholic Chamorro and I'm a female Protestant Chukis. Why are you talking to me? Now, I know that brings up some sensitive issues. You would be like, wow, really? This person has some issues. And that example brings up some sensitive issues, but I share it to help us get a feel for what's happening in this moment between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. We know from the Apostle John there was discrimination between Jews and Samaritans. But the fact that she brings it up as her first response, that's straight up. Interestingly, Jesus is not offended. He simply goes on to say, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now keep in mind, when he talks about living water, she doesn't know that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so she says, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, and here she goes, being her tough old self again, she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? 
How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? I'm like, wow, she's a tough customer. Of course, Jesus is not deterred. He goes on to explain, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I will not have to come here to get water. Now, there's two ways to interpret her response. Number one, she actually means what she says. In other words, she actually believes that she'll never be thirsty again, and she'll never have to walk to this well outside the village ever again. You could take her literally. The other possibility is sarcasm. Keep in mind, Jesus has not yet revealed his true identity. For all she knows, he's just a guy who's at the well, a stranger. And if that's the case, she might be like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, sure, give me this water. <laughs> then I'll never be thirsty again. I'll never have to walk to this well again. And at this point, Jesus switches gears, and he's about to surprise her. He says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And she said, sir, I sense you must be a prophet. Today, 2,000 years later, we know that Jesus is the source of all spiritual gifts. And here he uses prophetic insight to move the conversation into the realm of God. And so now the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And just then, the disciples came. Imagine a movie where there's two characters and the suspense and the drama is building to a point, the moment of truth. And the moment the truth is revealed, somebody walks into the room and the moment is disrupted. And that's what happens when the, when the disciples come back. And so she left the water jar beside the well. She ran back to the village telling everyone, notice the word everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And there you have it. The journey begins for a group of believers in the village Sychar. Now let's go back and make some observations about Jesus. The message today is live to tell, do it well. And there is so much to learn from Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, but for today, we'll focus on just one principle. Jesus connects with people through simple, everyday needs. In the case of the Samaritan woman, it was water. 
In those days, water was hard to get. Today, you just turn the faucet in your house and you have water. Wow, amazing. Thank God for modern day plumbing. But there are other needs which are not so easy. When your physical needs are met, people start looking to satisfy their emotional needs, and there are many. Here's a list of just some basic human needs. It's not exhaustive. Love, protection, significance, affection, value, to be known, comfort, to be heard, a sense of well-being, being understood, respect. There's nothing wrong with having needs. In fact, there's not even anything wrong with wanting your needs to be met. They are real, and they are actually given by God to draw us into relationship with him and draw us into relationship with each other to form families. It's actually a good thing to have our needs met because when we feel loved and when we feel valued and when we feel protected, then there's a deep sense of well-being and trust is established. When we're known and heard and understood, then we feel accepted. When this happens, God is happy because his command is love one another and we become thankful. So our needs are not the problem. The problem is the sinful ways we try to get our needs met outside of God and his ways. There are all kinds of things that we do. There are all kinds of ways that we look to meet our emotional needs. And none of these things are necessarily bad in and of of themselves, but sometimes we can move into excess. And these things can become our primary focus. It could be food, happy hour, relationships, maybe work, maybe my smartphone. Social media, it's like candy for the mind. All you have to do is notice what people are doing in order to get their need met, and then in a very caring way, let them know that there is something better. It looks like this. Let's say you know someone who's always on their phone. Let's just pretend you know someone like that. Everyone everyone is motivated differently. But let's say being on my phone helps me to feel connected. Nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with that. We all need that. Jesus might say something like, you know, your phone makes you feel connected. But if you knew who I am and what I have to offer, you would connect with me. Jesus connects with people through very simple, everyday needs. Let's say you know someone who's always working always working. They're neglecting the Sabbath, a day of rest with God. Jesus would say, you know, work makes you feel pretty significant, doesn't it? Especially when you're accomplishing something. But if you knew me and what I have to offer, you would work on your relationship with me. In your relationship with me, you would find lasting significance. And it's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. You're my son, or you're my daughter. And because I'm the king of kings and the lord of lords, you are highly significant. And the best thing of all, you don't have to work for it. It's free. 
You simply receive it by faith as a gift from me. Jesus connects with people through simple, everyday needs. And it's an easy way to connect, and we can do the same thing. All you have to do is notice what people are doing to meet their needs, and then, in a very caring way, let them know that there is a better way. There's something better. And this is what Jesus did with the woman at the well. So here is what I'd like us to do. I'd like you to write a summary of your experience with God that you can share in less than two minutes. Actually, let me change that. I don't think that's possible. A summary of all your years in two minutes. Let me put it this way. Write a story. That would be a better point. Write a story of your experience with God that you can share in two minutes or less. And then watch and listen to see how people get their needs met, and then in a caring way, let them know that there is a better way. So after you write it, I want to encourage you to memorize it. You can put that on just a half sheet of paper. And then when you see somebody doing something to get their needs met, you can share your story about how God has met that need in your life. Can you do that? Do you feel hesitant? I imagine you would. And that's okay. Uh, There are obstacles to overcome. I'll talk about them in a moment. But I would like you to write a story about your experience with God that you can share in two minutes or less that you can use to share with other people. So there are some obstacles to overcome in this. It's like those little kids walking through that door over there. They had to overcome some things to get to the front. One of the obstacles that we all face is not feeling qualified, not feeling confident. We often feel the need to be mature and educated in order to qualify as someone who can help others emotionally or spiritually. And we all understand this feeling. We all have it from time to time. But you know what's funny? We don't operate that way in the rest of life. You know, if you go to the States or you go to Palau, or maybe you go to Japan, do you need a degree in tourism before you can tell other people about your travel experience? If you were sick and you asked God to heal you, do you need to be a medical doctor or do you need to have a master's in divinity before you can tell other people that the problem is gone? All you need is your experience. When it comes to witnessing, all you need is an encounter with Jesus. I firmly believe, don't get me wrong, I firmly believe a thorough understanding of the Bible is very important. We need to to be aware of the word of God. We need to know it. In fact, I would say this, a thorough understanding of the Bible is more valuable than a college degree. I, I firmly believe that. But you don't need years of Bible study to tell someone about your experience with God. Let me ask you this. How long did it take the woman at the well to go and tell people in the village about her experience with Jesus? It was minutes. In fact, the Bible says she ran and she told everybody about her experience. Let me ask you this. How long did it take her to tell them Once she started talking to them, how long did she take to tell them about her experience? It was probably less than 10 seconds. She said, 
I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Period. That was it. You don't need years of study and gray hair. All you need is an encounter with Jesus. All you need is the presence of God. If we feel like we're not qualified, if we feel like we don't have what it takes, remember all you need is the presence of God. And if we don't rely on the presence of God, then we're tempted to fall into one of two extremes. You know, for centuries, the church believers have struggled with how do I relate to the world? And there's, there's been different approaches that have been experimented with over the centuries. You know, sometimes in our devotion and our sincerity to live for God and to walk with him, sometimes we think to ourselves, well, you know what? I don't want to be out there and be a part of the world because that's defiling and I get tempted by that and it's hard and the tension that's there. You know, I think I'm just going to kind of isolate. And so, you know, way back when, monasteries became popular because it was a way for people who were truly devoted to God to kind of separate from the world and they could spend their time studying God's word and praying. And that's important. We need devotion. But that also isolated them from being salt and light in the world. The other extreme, if we don't, if we don't feel comfortable in the engaging with the world, is we can go and be with them, but we don't want to make any waves. We don't want to rock the boat. So we'll just kind of go along with the party. And the problem with that is we lose our distinctive. You can't tell the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. And so on one hand, you have isolation. On the other hand, you have imitation. But God has a third alternative, and it's called insulation. When you go fishing, and let's say you catch a tuna, and you fillet it right there on the boat, and you make some sashimi, and you mix up some soy sauce and wasabi, the first thing you do is you get something salty like soy sauce in order to season the fish. But it's interesting, that fish grew up in a saltwater environment. Do you think that God could create a creature that could dwell in a saltwater environment but not be salty? In the same way, do you think he could create a Christian who could live in a worldly environment but not be worldly? And he can. And the insulation is the presence of God. I want to encourage us to avoid those two extremes and to trust that you can be in the world but not of the world, that you can connect with people at their point of need and you can tell them about your experience and you can show them that there is another way. And as we do that, I trust that we'll be able to live to tell and do it well. Sound good? Amen. Amen. So in summary, I want to encourage you to do your homework. We have homework in church. <laughs> Write your story in two minutes or less. Memorize it and have it available to use when you see somebody. They're, they're looking for something else to get their need net and they're missing the source. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, that You didn't leave us alone. Lord, you've sent people or allowed circumstances or even revealed your presence to allow us to know that we're not alone. 
I thank you, God, that you have been meeting our needs. As we sang this morning, you are faithful. You've never let us down. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us crystallize our story in a way that can be shared and can be a blessing to someone who also needs a relationship with you. And so, God, would you work in us? Would you work through us? Father, we can have all kinds of equipping, all kinds of study, but unless you give us your heart for people who don't know you, it's hard to apply. And so, God, I ask that you would impart in our hearts, in our minds, your love, a love for you and a love for people that could help us take time in the margins of our schedule to sit and talk with those who need to know you. And so if you would take a moment just between you and God, I'd like to give us a chance to do some business with him. And just in the silence of your heart, if you would just turn your attention to God and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you want me to know? What is it that you want me to do? And just take a moment to ask the Lord, what is that? What am I going to walk away with today? What am I going to do this week and the weeks ahead? Just ask the Lord to help clarify that in your own mind and heart. So go ahead, just continue to seek the Lord in your heart. And while you're praying, I want to address another group who may be here today. There might be some of you, as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, that's something that's been on your heart and mind recently. You may be sensing that God's trying to get your attention in one way or another. And as a result, you're here today because you're searching. And if that describes you and you've never made a formal choice, a conscious decision to invite God into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The most important thing is the decision that you make. And then expressing that to God, which is what we call prayer. So I want to give us a moment to pray together. God, I'm here today. I know you've been getting my attention recently. And I'm realizing that what I need is you. And so today I'm making a decision to say yes. I'm opening up. I want to open my life to you and invite you to be in it. And so I ask you to come into my life by faith. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that are not pleasing to you, that have maybe hurt other people or myself. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for those things. And if you're praying this prayer right now, I just want to invite you to receive his spirit of love and his spirit of forgiveness. It's for you. Just go ahead and receive him now. And Lord, I ask that you would wash away guilt, wash away any shame or condemnation. Lord, I ask that you would lift it all off and that you would cleanse and purify from the result of the past. Lord, I ask that you would restore and renew. So as you're praying this prayer, let's just continue to pray. God, I thank you for coming into my life. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. 
And I ask you to make me the person that you designed me to be. I ask that you would show yourself to me and allow me to experience life as you intended. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.